0: On April 19, 2019, over 75 Bend Lepine High School students came together to talk about racism at their schools. The following conversations with Dalton Miller-Jones, Beth Hoover, and seven Bend Lepine High School students aired Friday, May 24, 2019, on the Radical Songbook on KPOV, 88.9 FM High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. The Radical Songbook is hosted by Michael Funky. It is a two-hour show highlighting the role that music plays in social justice and protest and that airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. So today we're going to be talking about uh, Student Town Hall, the second Student Town Hall that was held um, here in Bend uh, back in April. And I just want to let you know before we get started that I did an earlier I did an earlier show on a on a, a, a town hall that was held in 2018, and that show that show aired back in December. And if you want to listen to that first show after you hear this show, if you want to go back and listen to some tremendous stu- interviews uh, interviews that I did with some tremendous students and facilitators from that first town hall, uh, if you just go to uh, kpov.org, dot org, click on podcast. Click again on the Radical Songbook and scroll down to the December 18th, 2018 show. You'll be able to listen to a podcast of that show, uh, which is um, a good segue into today's show. Um, that that Town town Hall was back in October. And um, my two guests here in the studio with me are Dalton Miller-Jones and Beth Hoover uh, there are two local activists in the restorative justice and equity movement and group here in Central Oregon. They were the, two of the key uh, organizers of the two town halls that I've just mentioned, one in 2018 and one in uh, this last month in April. And um, those town halls have, have brought together dozens of high school students, predominantly students of color, to talk about race and racism in uh, high schools in the Bend Lapine School District. They were, um, in both cases, I would have to say, they were they were literally historic um, gatherings of people of color here in Central Oregon. Uh, and I think they, in both instances, and we'll hear more about this. They were really uh, they were really important uh, events for for the students themselves. So Dalton and Beth, welcome. Thank to you, KPOV. Before we get into the work that you're doing, how about a little background? Can each of you um, tell us a little bit about how long you've been in, in Bend? And uh, you're both you're both educators. Just to give a little bit of background, or as much as you want, of how you got here, who you are, who you are, what you are, how you got here.
1: Want to start? Okay, um, I'm Beth Hoover. I actually am a native of Bend, so I grew up in Bend, and um,
2: Moved Thank away you.
1: for quite a while and then came back. Um, I taught for Ben Lapine schools. I was an English teacher at Lapine High School for 14 years. And after I retired, I decided I wanted to get involved in some social justice issues. Um, you're not always free as a teacher to do that much. Um, I became involved with the Restorative and Justice and Equity group through uh, Marilyn Burwell at First Presbyterian Church. She started this um, group out of the Peace and Justice group at First Presbyterian, and at first it was kind of a a talking advocacy group, uh, teachers, some some retired teachers, uh, social worker. There were about six or eight of us actively involved. Um, we moved into equity issues as we saw the disparity in achievement on, on, of students of color in Ben Lapine. Um, and then we uh, got the idea for the town hall really through OEA. Um, Eugene had, had uh, done a few town halls. Before o-
0: OEA we, is the Oregon Education Association. Oregon Education. Teachers Union.
1: Yeah. Um, we did our first town hall, as you said, in October. Uh, and then the second one in April. And both of them, I think, were hugely successful. Um, so I'm going to let Dalton talk now. Okay. <laughs> All right.
3: Dalton? Hi. Well, uh, Michael, thanks so much for having us. Uh, this is a, a real privilege for both of us. S- the background. Um, I'm an old war horse <laughs> at this sort of work. Um, African-American, uh, and... Um, I cut my teeth organizing back in Boston in, uh, when I was a graduate student there in the 60s. And uh, I guess one of the first things we did was uh, uh, a collective, much like the town hall represents a collective uh, effort, we, uh, we put together a set of uh, freedom schools uh, as alternatives to the public schools in Boston who were uh, not only segregated, uh, but were also inequitable in resource and teacher-qualified, highly qualified teachers and so forth. But that's where it really began for me um, uh, in terms of being an activist, except for (laughs) some work as an undergraduate at Rutgers in the Late fifties and early sixties, where we got them to change Rutgers to change its housing policies. We put together with the uh, Urban League a set of of uh, people going out and uh, testing uh, the fair housing uh, signed by people who were renting to students. We did that, and we also uh, and that was in the in the fifties. Yeah, fifty nine, mm-hmm. sixty. Um, so we got them to change their policy to have fair housing for the uh, students of color. Um, we also brought Malcolm to the campus uh, to shake things up a bit. Right because, on. He just uh, celebrated his birthday last week, May 19th. Uh, go, what a significant and, and powerful, powerful person. Anyway, so that's that. We, we uh, went on uh, to my work at Cornell University when we— took over the student union and uh, uh, got the university to establish the Africana Studies and Research Center where I taught for uh, four years. When was that, in the 70s? That was uh, the early 70s, yes, uh, 69 through 73. Uh, Have an academic background. I'm a a PhD neurodevelopmental psychologist and uh, do a lot of work with schools, uh, especially around uh, equity in science uh, learning to read, uh, the whole the whole nine yards. How long have you been in Bend? Came to Bend, uh, moved into our home in Bend in 2010. Uh, I moved to to Oregon in '91 from the City University of New York, where I'd been teaching at the Graduate Center there. Oh, okay. I, I came to to work at Portland State University.
0: You were in New York then in the in the '70s and '80s. Yes. Yeah. So was I.
3: I I I don't know where
0: you were, but... I was living out in Flushing. (laughs) (laughs) I I was way out at the end of the number seven line. All right. You know, so, and I was working for a union there. Um, Yeah. Um, Well, again, welcome both of you. So, uh, yeah, so you gave us a little history, Beth, of, of how this whole restorative justice and i kind of do re- i do remember that organization that Marilyn Marilyn burwell put together uh, what i'd like to do is talk a little bit about so we're, we we talk about restorative justice and we talk about equity um they you know like a lot of a lot of things as 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 words kind of get bantered around and stuff give us a give us a definition one of you all. just what do we talk about what are we talking about when we talk about restorative justice and why, why is why do you feel that there's a need to engage in restorative justice and equity work.
1: Go ahead.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> the uh, the work that is uh, that falls under the rubric of restorative justice <clears throat> began, I think, uh, as a better way to resolve conflicts and um, and offenses that were arising in the criminal as a within the c- criminal justice context, <clears throat> uh, we have a system that is c- contrary to a set of practices that indigenous communities around the around the the world have engaged in uh, when someone violates a r- set of rules or values that the community has established as a norm um, and this involves in the first instance, hearing from the person uh, who has been offended. Uh, in their own words, in a, in, a, in a kind of system or a kind of situation where they are absolutely free and comfortable to, to voice uh, what happened to them and what it made them feel. Safe environment. A safe environment. And also one that allows them to stumble through, if they're not as articulate as, as some of our lawyers might be in a court situation. Uh, and, and when they have felt that they have expressed all that they want, it is then uh, a, a part of the process to hear from the person who committed the offense, uh, what were they what, what happened with regard to their actions? Uh, and then, of course, there is the resolution, usually with a facilitator who has been trained to revisit the comments and to go through a whole process of negotiation and, <clears throat> and resolution that, in, uh, that comes to terms with how do you restore uh, the harm, how do you fix it. So within the criminal justice system, that has led to a set of practices that have been very, very powerful. And uh, it has been picked up, I think, first in England and then here, in the states, <clears throat> uh, and, and adopted in uh, disciplinary practices within the schools. Um, so there's a lot more to say about that uh, as it as it goes along. But as 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 it was practiced, it was discovered that the restorative justice processes also built. It was a way to build more trusting and caring relationships. Uh, and those relationships that had a tendency to endure beyond the particular offense. And there was, in, in many ways, a sense of healing uh, that took place. And I don't mean to be sounding kind of mushy and soft headed here, uh, but it is an important fact that uh, our feature that people who uh, have committed offenses as well as those who have been victims, uh, feel a sense of restoration as a result. Uh, A number of critical outcomes have been associated with these practices, including fewer absences in school, uh, greater attendance, uh, lower dropout rates, and and, uh, commensurate with that, the higher graduation rates from high school, uh, fewer office referrals and and subsequent uh, suspension and expulsions, uh, a higher level of self-reported school engagement and caring about doing well in school, and indeed, uh, often reported uh, improved academic performance. And we'll go on to talk more about the the content of the practices as we go on. I think, Beth, you wanted to add something.
1: Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about why I have a passion for this work, and it, it comes from two different sources. I'm the mother of a person of color. My son is 36 now, African-American. He went through the Benlapine School District from 1994 to 2001, attended High Desert Middle School, Pilot Butte Middle School, and then Mountain View High School. And even as a teacher in the district, I really struggled with uh, advocating for him. Um, as a student of color, so that 's my one passion one of my passions. The other comes <clears throat> directly from being an educator and just um, watching students fall through the cracks because school was not relevant to them uh, we weren 't teaching their history we weren 't addressing their current issues, and far too many times kids were dropping out, um, going elsewhere. And the, the other comment I will make is about school discipline. Traditionally, um, in a bullying situation, and Ben Lepine still does not have a good bullying policy, but in a bullying situation, if there's any response from the bullied kid, both kids, both the bullier and the bullied kid get the same discipline. So, and typically it's suspension out of school for a day or two. And what that did for my son, because he had a few of those, is it just kind of reinforced that he was not part of that community. Um, And I think that does that for a lot of kids. Um, Bullying is a much worse issue today than it was when my kid was in school because it's cyberbullying. And so kids can't get away from it. It's Mm 24-7. And we had a very unfortunate situation in Bend with a a student committing suicide who had been bullied. And that really um, accelerated our work. In a big way,
0: so so yeah. So you you're taking taking what you talked about uh, Dalton in terms of like the the, the history of of the, the taking a look at what restorative justice is and what it's about. How did you determine that um, you felt it was time to apply it here in in Bend with with high school students <laughs> in particular? Oh,
1: <laughs> We've
3: been working <clears throat> at the level of meeting with the administrators of the system to try to advocate for uh, their hiring a restorative justice uh, coordinator for the district uh, and to appoint a person in each of the high schools as a, a person who has the background and experience and, and can then help with the resolution of conflicts. This is a model that exists in schools in, in Oregon. Uh, my uh, we were no. We were aware of it uh, at Grant High School in Portland, and brought out their restorative justice uh, person for a meeting, a, a community-wide meeting, um, where he ex- he uh, described his experience in the schools and what steps were necessary to get something like this established. It then came to our attention that OEA uh, had uh, been uh, providing support both financially and with resource materials for these town halls that were taken. I think uh, when we became aware of it, Eugene was in the middle of their third year of holding such town halls. And I think we, we decided that this would be a very effective way to begin to uh, have the whole community, uh, all of the various services and, and educators, to, to become aware of the experiences of students of color in the schools and in the community at large, including uh, their interactions with the criminal justice or law enforcement. Um, so we then began to strategize what was needed here and to plan for our first town hall in the spring of 2018. That's when we really uh, began to mobilize for that.
0: Yeah, we're, we're in a community that is obviously it that goes, you know, pretty obvious to anybody it's overwhelmingly white the school the school district is de- the demographics are changing uh on the student level dr- pretty dramatically in some schools but not so much on the staff and teacher level at all where so you're getting to a point where you have like a, a large in some schools pretty pretty significant percentage of students of color and and yet staff and teaching teachers are all So it it probably took you a little bit to try and even get their attention to to, to the idea that there might be uh, issues, there might be a problem, there might be something that and yet you, you needed their support, obviously, to uh, to some extent, to make this happen. Absolutely. Beth, do you want to yeah, chime in? Yeah, I
1: think um, <laughs> there were some incidents around the, the last presidential election at the schools. Um, in particular, one school, the kids chanted in the cafeteria, build the wall. Right. And that school's reaction was to put together a multicultural club, which is still uh, going on. Um
0: which school was that? That
1: no. was Bend High. That was Bend High. Well, I, I think oh, okay. it's okay you to say. Okay, you don't want to mention yeah. specifics? No, I think it doesn't yeah. contribute. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. And um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> right. so, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so it was
0: after that incident that a multicultural club came together at that school?
1: Yeah, and I, I think uh, there was already interest in the schools um, on the part of some staff to see change. Um, there is good leadership at each of the schools that we've dealt with. Um, that's pushing this at their school mm-hmm. level. Um, the district put together an equity cadre, and they've done some work. I think it's it's not nearly mo- as much Setting as they need to do, but there's a direction. And I I'm certainly enthused about the new school board. Candid- um, school board uh, elected. Yeah, the, ele- the yeah, yeah, there's
0: a whole new majority on the school board. Because I
1: think they're we're going to find a commitment to equity uh and restorative justice from m- a majority of those people.
0: Yeah, we they met. literally ran on that was literally part of their platform was the whole idea okay. of, of really so.
3: figuring out a way to mm-hmm. improve um equity for for mm-hmm. all in mm-hmm. the every every uh meeting we've had with the with the superintendent with Shay has... Been, I think, very productive. As Shay uh, Michaels, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and I think he has been uh, a fairly effective leader with his own team, trying to keep the uh, the achievement gaps and other opportunity gaps uh, in focus, um, as well as the traditional set of tasks that superintendents have to hold. I think uh, they have uh, they tended the first town hall. Uh, we asked them as as why. Participants to listen and to, and to be in the background uh, and try to hear what, what what the students were saying because it's complex it's is a a very um, difficult time uh, for our country and for um, for those of us who are responsible for trying to educate uh, the community and its and its youth. Um, the stresses that are, that are imposed under ordinary circumstances as a person of color, as a student of color, I don't think most white people understand. Uh, you wake up in the morning and you are re- in a dual situation that you have to understand and master two streams, two cultural streams that, uh, that aren't always <laughs> the same. Uh, the task of a of a parent of a student of color, as beth was trying was, was suggesting um is to encourage them to participate and engage at the same time to arm them and pro- help protect their sense of self from the onslaught of racism uh it's a disease that will eat this country out from the from the center. Uh, if we do not do something really clear and effective and that's one of the motives for doing these town halls
0: well we uh, and we want to get to I I was uh, able to interview um, record interviews with seven students that participated in the town halls some of them were from were well all of them, I think, were participated in both town halls, uh, and I want to get to that if, if pretty soon. But I wanted to try and get a sense from you, I guess, of uh, well, my understanding. The way it sort of evolved was you got you had support from the district, as, as you've said, and the superintendent You had support from the teachers union, but you, part, but that support really kind of allowed you, uh, a group of community activists, to. Sort of put together what you thought the town hall should be. There was not that they, they they didn't like tell you what to do. They basically, <laughs> on a certain level, probably wanted you to do it. You know, but which is yeah. good. But I mean, so you could you just kind of in a in a nutshell, kind of describe for our listeners what the town halls, how, how they. How, how they played out, how, what what kids were at, what the the students were able to do, and just sort of you know what a town hall looks like, yeah. I guess.
1: Yeah, there were some differences between the first and second town hall. Of right. course, um, the okay. goal of the first town hall was to give students of color a safe space to share their experiences about um, with racism with each other, and to encourage them to build some support networks between. Uh, students at at all the schools and that really uh, was successful in terms of the students um, feeling like they had a safe space. They shared some really difficult um, experiences. The last part of the first town hall was a large, large group that shared and I would say about half of the kids did not use their voice at that particular time. But they did go back to the schools and do quite a bit of work. And the second town hall, the major differences were, um, we wanted to in- include some instruction this time to give some kids some tools for, we called it understanding racism, interrupting racism, cultivating diverse leadership, empowering student voices, I think was another session. We had a group called Waking Up White. We did include about nine white students from the uh, five or four high schools that participated the second w- time around.
3: We we didn't include them exactly. We we, we invited. The, yeah, we had the the list of who participated were to be generated by the students themselves. I just wanted to be mm-hmm. clear about that. Right.
1: Yeah. And at the second town hall, um, I think a couple of very impressive things happened. First, the students from each high school um, shared their presentations of what they'd done at their schools. So we heard about Mountain View doing a mini town hall, about La Pine uh, and their multicultural club activities, Bend High uh, Summit. It was impressive to hear what the kids had done. And then um, the... uh, uh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm losing my train of thought again here.
3: So we, we included uh, the students of color from the Central Oregon Community College. Uh,
1: yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about, was the COCC <laughs> panel. Uh, we had, I think, six or seven students from COCC who spoke and uh, talked about their experiences with racism during high school and then their transition to college right and that was that was really eye-opening for not only the kids that were there but for all of us in terms of numbers at the first town hall we had about 67 high school students at the second town hall we had 77 uh, six of those were from cocc but the rest of them were from the four high schools. And I think just the enthusiasm that the kids um, came to the second town hall with was really encouraging to, say, to see. And um, they some of them expressed that they were delighted we were having a second town hall, that they weren't sure that that was going to happen. So I think, you know, there's a lot of work left to be done, both on the individual student level and at the school level and at the district level, but it's a start. And I'm encouraged.
0: So I have, um, as I said, I have about 30, a little bit over 30 minutes of interviews that we'll be able to get to. Um, maybe, in, uh, should, I, should I kick one off now? And then we'll take a break. We'll have to take a break before we actually. So, okay. So one, one of the students that I interviewed um, is, uh, was jo- is Joan Song. Joan Song is a Korean-American student. She's a senior at Summit High School. She's co-editor of the student newspaper, The Pelican. And uh, Joan, I interviewed Joan. She, she's also in the podcast of the, um, the student interviews that I did from the first town hall as well. So we're going to kick it off here with, this is Joan Song. Joan, you were at the first town hall in 2018, and then you returned to the uh, town hall on uh, in April of this year.
4: I did indeed.
0: And, uh, and you're a part of the Student Advisory Council. Mm -hmm. for restorative justice and equity group and and, uh, what's that been like working with that group?
5: Essentially we've had one meeting so far we all convened over lunch and we discussed our ideas for the next town hall so this wasn't March so quite a bit before the last town hall happened but we talked about what we would like to see what further ideas we had what different discussion topics we could do or a college student panel and having adults moderate versus students moderating. So basically we were just contributing our perspectives to the people planning the event.
0: So you're already looking forward to um, the planning for a third town hall?
5: I'm not sure about that. I haven't heard news about a third one, but I'm expecting that there probably will be one. It's very likely.
0: What did you see the difference between the first town hall and the second town hall? What
5: I would say there were two significant differences. The first one would be that there were more white students invited this time and is more open to more white participation, which I'm in full support of. And I think that made our discussions much more interesting to have that different perspective contributed instead of just us talking about our opinions. And the second difference I noticed was that we had breakout groups this time, where we split up into small groups that focus around a specific discussion topic. And while I think that was A good idea. It wasn't the best executed. So I think for our next town hall we could definitely work on improving that.
0: What breakout group were you in?
5: Um one of them I was called I think Tools to Combating Racism and the second one was Student Activism.
0: And what about that that first one, Tools to Combat Racism? Did you did you find that useful?
5: Um, I didn't particularly find either of the breakout groups useful because they were quite short. We only had 30 minutes in each one, so it was very rushed. I felt like it was very cramped. And in that first one, the Combating Racism one, we kind of didn't have time to discuss or really interact with each other. It felt like it was just a facilitator reading from a script, which was fine in the sense that I think it opened our eyes to other perspectives or other things that we might be thinking about in the process of the town hall as a whole, but I don't think that the breakout group in itself was very useful. A change that I've suggested so far is that um, they review the breakout groups, like what they're going to do, what they're going to present before we hold the town hall.
0: When I spoke with you last year, you talked about you mentioned that there was a multicultural organization at at Summit, but that it you weren't involved in it. Can you talk a bit about any changes that you're that you feel that you've you've seen at Summit High in terms of race relations, in terms of uh, activities that students are involved in in terms of the involvement of the faculty or the administration?
5: Well, my personal opinion is what I've seen, which may be different from what other people have seen. I think having the town hall sparked some more interest in current multicultural club members to become more active in their participation and to make the club something more official and more grounded, I would say, because before this last town hall, it was a lot more up in the air and there weren't really any concrete ideas, but now I feel like there's much more of a focus on actually increasing membership and making more people know about this club and the school. But outside of multicultural club, with the school as a whole, there wasn't really any announcement about the town hall. It was pretty much kind of an invitation-only event where if you were a student of color and you were going, you could recommend some of your white friends that you would think might be interested. And I think it would have been much better to have a school-wide announcement over the PA or something or through school email so that more people could have known about it, because I definitely feel like, despite having seen changes in a small community in our school, I don't think our school as a whole has really had more awareness of these issues or these events going on, because there hasn't been enough publicity about it.
0: Were there white students uh, from Summit High that went to the town hall that you know of?
5: There was one white student. It's good to see her there. I feel like it's difficult for some white students look at this type of event and they might feel threatened and feel like oh I don't know if I want to go it might be really radical or I might feel excluded or hated on and I don't really know if I want to go to this type of thing. I just like to personally encourage more white students to be more open about this kind of opportunity because it's very supportive and it's not any hatred or vitriol involved in that at all. I'd also like to see a significant change in how we publicize this type of event at our school I really feel like there needs to be more awareness about this I think it's not enough for one student to be going around saying hey you should come to this thing it's pretty interesting because people don't take that as seriously as if there are you know flyers around school or something in one of the daily emails I can sent out or, you know, a PA announcement. I just feel like there are tons of opportunities to let people know that this type of thing is going on, and we really have not taken advantage of those opportunities. I don't want to criticize our administrative support because I feel like they've done better than the administration last year in just even supporting this type of event in the first place, but that doesn't mean, you know, that there are, can't be places to improve upon.
0: Thanks an awful lot. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so that was Joan Song. Joan Song, as I said, is a senior at, um, at Summit High, and I had interviewed her. She's, she's, uh, you can hear her comments in the first podca- podcast to the first show that's available at kpov.org. <clears throat> um, any, well, I guess for uh, a couple of things. One is, you know, any comments that you have about what Joan had to say? But also, um, I learned yesterday that, that uh, there actually has been, since I interviewed her, <coughs> apparently, there actually has been uh, some significant movement at, at Summit High School.
1: Yeah, there has been. Um, I heard from Julie Montoya, who's a Spanish teacher there, and also um, advisor to the multicultural club, along with Luis Neves. And the Summit kids who went to the to the town hall, there were thirteen of them, um, met with the faculty at Summit High School, and they gave an hour and a half presentation about their experiences with racism
2: at the school. All of the
1: faculty. As I understand wow. it, was all the faculty faculty meeting, yeah. yeah. Wow. And um, they talked about what changes need to happen in the school to make it more uh, welcoming and inclusive for them. So I think that's a huge development. I think the kids are going to hear that message from, or the s- teachers are going to hear that message from the students a lot sooner than they will hear it from an in-service training or from an ad- another adult.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. 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 So the principal from Summit attended uh, the, the town hall. This makes it easier for, I think, the students to have a sense of connection with the administration. And I think it facilitated that happening quickly. The, the principal did, a, I think, a, a service to the whole school community by uh, helping by, by be just that.
0: being a, an observer at that town. Yeah, and I think then that's obviously a really supporting point. the, yeah. the, the yeah. town hall yeah. that yeah. They, they held. Because not every student, Joan strikes me as someone who has no problem talking to the principal about stuff, but <laughs> not I every... Think that would be true. <laughs> no, she, <she's, laughs> but not everybody yeah. can feel that right. way. I mean, the principal is still an authority figure sure. in high mm-hmm. school, and you have to figure out a way to be mm-hmm. able to talk to him. That's a great point that you make, Dalton. Mm-hmm. And, and then
1: um, next week, A similar thing is going to happen at Lapine High School next Wednesday. They are um, kind of taking over a a staff meeting, um, and they will be presenting about their experiences with racism. They're providing lunch to the teachers. They're going to do some small group discussions around specific issues, and then they're going to do a presentation on microaggressions. So, again, it's student student-generated, student-initiative. It's very exciting.
3: And right. both of these events follow the leadership of Mountain View High School. The two coordinators there have been extraordinary, yeah. uh, Sarahi Haddari and uh, Alana Dussan. Dussan, uh, have they, they held a, a uh, mini town hall before we did our second town hall. Uh, involving uh, over 70 students um, from their their high school uh, in and in a series of table discussions around some topics that the students uh, generated themselves. And they also just ran the whole thing. This is, is so encouraging uh, for those of us who've been working with restorative justice and equity to see this sense of um, empowerment on the part of the students right. uh, following... Uh, our attempts to give them an opportunity to, to voice their experiences, I think there's a direct line uh, to this kind of activism in the schools themselves.
0: And we'll hear from a La Pine student and a couple of Mountain View students uh, right after the break here.
6: Hello there, fellow travelers. This is Pittsburgh gravel Rouser Ann Feeney, and you're listening to the Radical Songbook on High Desert Community Radio, KPOV 88.9 FM, and streaming on the web at KPOV.org.
0: And we are back. And so uh, I'm this is Michael Funky Radical Songbook. I'm talking with uh Dalton Miller-Jones and Beth Hoover, two people who helped put together the Student Town Halls on Racism that have been held here in the Ben Lapine School District. You all, you were talking about Lapine High School, and so I'd like to um, uh, play the interview that I did with Gabrielle Beaver, who's a white sophomore at Lapine High School, Uh, and a member of the Restorative Justice and Equity Student Advisory Council, which we should talk a little bit more about, I think. And um, I asked her how she got involved, and so we'll hear what she has to say right now.
6: We haven't really had anything like that in Lapine before, and uh, it was getting pretty bad. So a couple friends and I approached uh, Darren Baumstieg at Lapine, and he helped us start it all up.
0: He's a teacher there?
6: Yes, he
0: is. So you did attend the first town hall in October. You were one of just a very small number of white students that were at that particular town hall.
6: Yeah, there was about three at the time, yeah.
0: And there were more uh, at the April 19th town hall, right?
6: Yeah, I think I counted about 11.
0: So one of the breakout sessions was specifically to talk to white students about racism. So what was that like for you?
6: I see every white student that comes there as an ally. And uh, the, the class was teaching us about, like, um, how to be aware of our privileges and, and white guilt and stuff like that. And personally, I would have rather have been in a group that would have addressed, like, how to um, respond to racism in public or something. Um, I feel like I would have done better in the other classes with the other students.
0: Challenging racist behavior. yeah. So do you, do you find that to be something that you um feel that you have to do sometimes uh at school?
6: Uh yeah, absolutely.
0: And how does that go for you when you try it, when you do that? I mean, Lapine High School, I'm sure like most of uh, every high school in the district is is predominantly white, correct? Yes. What happens for you when you feel compelled to to raise a question or a concern about something that somebody might have said or done?
6: I feel like in some situations it can be more um, impactful coming from a white student and calling attention to it.
0: If there was a third town hall that you could engage in, you would maybe want to do something different for yourself.
6: Yeah, I I just don't think that there should be just a group just for white people, just because we're all there to support the same cause and to segregate like the classes from each other. I just don't feel like we're hearing other people's stories because uh, I was required to go to the waking up white class uh, two times and that we only had two breakout sessions and I wasn't able to get a chance to hear other people's stories and hear their experiences.
0: As a white student, why is this important to you?
6: At my school, there is a lot of racism and uh, I've already seen that change, but honestly, I was tired of hearing seeing the people I love and cared for being hurt by just words. My, my goal is to spread awareness to it. For me personally, at the first uh, town hall meeting, I had no idea like what would be offensive or what wouldn't be. Uh, I didn't know what microaggression was, and I learned all of that there in one day, and it sparked a passion in me. That town hall meeting was a really good experience for me and taught me so much.
0: The subject of race can be a, a very uncomfortable Thing for people to talk about, especially white people. I would say, how do you deal with that at your school?
6: My friend and I started the multicultural club at Lepine. Like we're pretty passionate about it, and we started up. I don't want to say something that wouldn't do justice for uh, the other person, or might offend them or something. It's conversation. Like conversation is, it's the key to every relationship. I think so. Communication gets you to where you need to be. So you know that you are saying what you need to say. My mission is to spread unity and appreciating your own individuality.
0: And how do you feel and you can best do that?
6: With our multicultural club, it is starting with friends, grabbing their friends and telling peers. A lot of us have been making posters and inviting people. And with our club, it says like everybody's welcome. And we, it's like a safe place to share your story. So building a relationship in a community at your school will, will br- I feel, brings more people together.
0: And so you've, had, you've been getting a positive response from this work?
6: Yeah. Um, we honestly started with about six people that showed up every Thursday for um, our meetings. And we have like 15 now, and it's growing. We have people come in every day asking if they can join. And we have a lot of people that just come by and see what it's all about.
0: That's great work.
6: I definitely suggest going to the town hall meetings whenever you can. It's a great chance to meet new people. And I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to uh, make some new friends in Bend and other places. So, um, And it brought a lot of awareness to me. And I've shared that with my family and friends and my club. And it's just a really good learning experience.
0: All right. And that was Gabrielle Beaver, who's a white sophomore at Lapine High School, and she's a member of the Restorative Justice and Equity Student Advisory Council. Um, so I'm here with Dalton Miller-Jones and Beth Hoover, uh, two organizers of the town hall, uh, the two town halls that, that Gabriela just spoke about. Um, do you have any re- comments about what Gabriela had to say?
3: <clears throat> I'll, I'll start. Um, I, <clears throat> I'm, uh, each of the high schools has have two restorative justice people who are uh, the support persons for that school. I, I work with Lapine and Darren Bunstein, uh who's the teacher that's uh, really central to getting things moving there. <clears throat> one of the one of the uh, insights that emerged from uh, the first and second town hall was how do you get students of color in the schools to participate in these um, in these multicultural equity uh, team uh, organizations on high school on the high school campuses Uh, the students at lapine reflected that you know a lot of students of color uh, don't want to be don't want to be uh, distinctive they do their best to just hide behind some kind of cover And hope that nobody notices (laughs) Um, that might sound like a negative but it's a very positive adapt adaptation to being the minority person in a not always very friendly environment Uh, there aren't a lot of teachers of color in the system which we hear again and again from the students would really help uh, help their situation Um, I heard on the radio. Uh, I, I I'm from New York City, <laughs> and uh, I'm working with some people in Newark, New Jersey. And you really get a distorted view of what this country is being here in Bend. <laughs> These there are more white students are now the minority in the student population in the United States. The majority are students of color, Latinx african-american asian students and and so on um we have that's a fact uh it's not an opinion (laughs) and and these students are going to have to go out into the world both the the students of color and the white students into a multicultural multicolored world and they have to know what's what's going on and so the students of color need to feel a sense of actual privileged position that they can teach these kids something, the white students something. So uh, the restorative justice team, I think, is fully supportive of uh, increasing the number of of students and teachers um, who are from the uh, Euro-American culture. Um, They want, we want those communities to know what these experiences are and to develop a capacity for empathy for these students. Um, We also, the students are are telling us uh, little vignettes, little anecdotes that happen in their classroom uh, that show that some teachers really need some support and help to grow around the issue of gender, identification, uh, understanding the plural aspect of being Latinx, uh, uh, understanding the heritages, uh, both on the part of whites and uh, African Americans from the slavery trade um, and and subsequent Jim Crow era. There's a lot of work to do, and it's not a a simple add-on. Uh, an optional elective class or club you can attend, it needs to be moved into the central core of the curriculum of competencies that, are, that we think we need to, to have our students uh, develop.
1: Uh, and I'd just like to give a, a little bit of a shout-out to Lapine High School. It's our smallest high school, under 500 kids, um, grades 9 through 12. And they've done some really innovative stuff around restorative justice. They were the first school to pilot that uh, in Ben-Lapine. And then Darren Vomstig, who's the uh, advisor and teacher uh, of the Multicultural Club, Um, he supported that club on his own dime for a year and a half and one of the really good outcomes of the last town hall was his principal had attended the whole uh, day and at the end of toward the end of the day he told Darren he had money for the multicultural club next year and I, I can't remember the amount so I'm not gonna misquote but it was at least a thousand maybe two so
0: that, well, that's great because I, I was just going to say I, we hear this all the time about whether it's whether it's what Darren von Sieg was doing for, with the club, but what teachers in general have to do yes. to teach, and mm-hmm. that is they have to reach into their own pocket to buy stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and Darren fed have to help, these They have to help finance Darren it, and, and that, these kids. that really has to end, in my <laughs> yeah, view. I agree. I mean,
0: they, they shouldn't have to be uh, paying for uh, educating all of our kids
3: but it is indicative of the commitment
0: yeah no it's it's not, it is it's extraordinary absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. Uh, yeah and it needs to be you know yeah more and more people need to understand that teachers do that mm-hmm. should, should we talk listen to uh the mountain view students because uh, yeah. you did talk about how they actually well they'll talk about it here actually so mm-hmm. make sure i got the right yeah. one yeah. queued up here we go these are i spoke with oscar acosta and olivia medrano they are Latinx juniors at Mountain View High School and they attended both of the town halls. How would you compare the experience that you had with that from the first town hall to the second? What do you feel that you learned?
7: Well, um, our first town hall was more like an introduction, I guess, to the topics. And the second town hall was more like getting in, into it. Uh, and the second one, we had classes. And the first one, we just kind of got in groups and separate groups and and talked about maybe uh, issues or any experiences throughout our school life, I guess. And the second one, it was more like getting taught um, about different topics, um, whether it be about racism or how to handle it. And how to deal around it, I guess.
0: So, did you feel that you got something out of that second town hall?
7: For sure, actually. Uh, I felt the classes were very interesting. Uh, one of them was held by Dr. Dalton, which was actually um, in such a short time, y- you could really look at um, the issue and from a different perspective. I thought it was really cool.
0: And Olivia, what were your experiences like?
8: Um, Well, first of all, I found both of them really impactful. Um, I took the first set or the first town hall. um, We took a lot of things from it and actually took it to our school and made something out of it. And the second one, it was the same thing, just um, a little bit more in depth. Um, You know, we had like mini sessions, which was something different from the first session or the first town hall. And, you know, again, very impactful. Um, and we took it again back to our school and started planning for round two.
0: And so the one of the things that was different from the first town hall to the second was there were more white students at the second town hall. And that included white students from Mountain View? Yes. And and so is that someone that you're working with at, at Mountain View High School?
7: Um. Actually, uh, yes. Since our event happened, our small um, sessions, I guess, in Mountain View, we got to invite more white students to our event. This was kind of a a, a mini town hall. Is
0: that correct that you had it? That you had at Mountain View High? Uh, Is that what you're talking about? Yes.
8: Yeah. Um, from our the first actual town hall here in Bend. Um, we actually took what we learned from there, and we made our little own town hall at school to see what the results would be of that and what we could do to make our school um, a better place or what we could do to help other students.
0: So how many students participated in that? Fifty to sixty. Oh, Fifty to sixty students. Mm-hmm. So of, of all races? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, and that was done through it's, – it's an equity group that you have going?
8: Yeah, um, our, our group at Mountain View High School is our equity team.
0: Equity team? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. So, how, was that at that? And that was during school hours, I assume.
8: Yeah, yes. we started at 9 o'clock nine ish and we ended right about lunchtime, 12 ish.
0: What did you do during that mini town hall? I, to my knowledge, Mountain View is the only high school in the, in the district where this kind of event was held.
8: Like I said, from the first town hall, we had many discussions um, or little prompts that were given to us, and then we would discuss in our little groups. So we took that, and we made our own questions, and we would give them out to the students, and we would be in circles, and if they agreed, they sat down. Mm -hmm. And if they disagreed, they would stand up and discuss, and then everybody else would join.
7: So it was a pretty positive
0: experience for everybody, near as you can tell?
7: Uh, Yes, we actually got uh, a lot of positive feedback. Uh, The only thing that was um, apparently negative feedback, quote unquote, is that we didn't provide much snacks. (laughs) No snacks. (laughs) Yeah, no snacks. And that was it. But um, (laughs) the rest, we got really positive feedback, such as um, people that wanted to talk about these topics. They actually got to let it out of themselves and just not be judged for talking about it.
0: Are you planning to do something like that again?
8: Uh, yeah, our goal is to do it again next year. First thing when we come next year is to do it again because, you know, we're going to have newer students and they're going to be going through a lot of things or they've already had gone through many things. So definitely we're, we're planning to do that again. And like you said, we are the only school so that has done this. So I think it was impactful to those students at Mountain View because they sh- they see that as students, we hosted this, and we do care for them.
0: Is there anything else that you want to say about your experiences at the town hall and uh, and uh, at the Mountain View campus?
8: For me, it's definitely changed me. It's opened up my, my eyes and my mind. I see things differently, and I never looked at racism or any kind of issues through a different lens, and after going to these town hall meetings, they've actually made a change in me and made me want to help others and make a change, not only to my school, but to the community.
7: For me, I would say it was really positive experience because we don't really get to talk about these topics and topics anywhere. So having a place, having people that can relate to you and just being able to talk about it and not only talk about it, but come up with solutions the problems and and being able to take that and not leave it there but take it to our school and do something with it so maybe other people can start something in themselves and spread it
0: it's a hard issue to talk about isn't it
8: it's definitely a hard issue not a lot of people are comfortable with it i know when we were promoting our event at our school it was it was hard to approach people and be like you know we're having this discussion and it was just hard to be like how do we say it? How do we approach someone and be like, we're gonna talk about this? It's definitely hard. But you did it. But we did it, yeah.
7: It, w- it got really emotional, and some stories uh, were actually very impactful. And like, it's definitely good to let it out and hear other experiences that people have. Anything else you wanna add? We just hope to keep doing the best at our school and what we can in order to spread it. And whatever we can do in order to, you know, make the solution a bigger thing, we will do it. Showing
8: more awareness to to these kinds of situations because sometimes they just get passed on just like it's nothing. But mm-hmm. the more people that, you know, actually show care, like by letting us do, it, do this... It shows that people actually do care about these situations and want our voices to be heard. Thank you to, to you yeah, for letting us come out here and, and… Well, thank you. This is
6: Katherine Wood, the host of Catherine's Kitchen, inviting you to join my guests and me the first Friday of the month on The Point at 9 a.m. Every month we discuss a food-related issue and share a recipe you can make in your home kitchen. That's Catherine's Kitchen, the first Friday of the month, on the point at 9 a.m. Until then, keep feeding your bellies and your souls.
7: And just for
0: you, i
7: This is Sam Kirkland, and you're listening to The Radical Songbook on
0: 88.9 FM High Desert Community Radio, KPOV all right so that was what we heard right there before the break that was oscar acosta acosta excuse me oscar acosta and olivia medrano they are latinx juniors at Mountain View high uh who attended both town halls and were active in organizing what they referred to as the mini town hall dalton miller jones who's here in the station with me and beth hoover two organizers uh, the adults who helped students organize uh these town halls. You said you were at the mini town hall in Mountain View.
3: (laughs) Yes, and uh, it was powerful uh, for at least two reasons. One, um, the students conceived the whole uh, event. They invited uh, our strong-armed students from the lunchroom to come to this thing uh, over over a couple of days, the recruiting. Um, And uh, there were ten uh, table or chair circles, with at least six or seven students participating in each of those circles. And they participated to prompts um, uh, that they generated. Uh, the second thing that was impressive to me <laughs> was uh, if, if, the, if <laughs> the students stood behind their chairs, and if you agreed with the statement, you then sat on the st- the chairs and you engage in a dialogue about why you agreed with the statement. The statement might be um, uh, there's no there's no racism at our school. If you agreed with that, then you sat down and you said why. Uh, after a short period of time, three or four minutes, maybe depending on how long those discussions were going the students who disagreed, who were standing behind, came and sat and said why they disagreed with it, and that they uh, had a conversation that tried to resolve those positions. Wow. But, that, so this
0: was student-organized? Yes.
3: <laughs> well, they're facilitated by Sarahi and Alana, who are just remarkable uh, uh, human beings and effective uh, teachers. The, the point I was going to get to was that when the prompt asked or stated uh, my school does all that it can to uh, to provide an inclusive curriculum uh, and works with teachers to to be effective dealing with all students from different cultural backgrounds nobody at any of the ten tables sat down in agreement with that and And even the students who were running the thing looked at one another they they "Whoa, what was that about uh and so then they sat down and they talked about what the what they could be doing at the school. It was very powerful and effective. The principal at the school attended the whole thing, and he heard that so these are These are very very uh i think important steps that are taking place here in the Ben lapine community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that's that's remarkable. Now, a lot of these students. Uh, did you want to add something, Beth?
1: Well, I just was going to say something about our student advisory council that we. I was put just going to ask you about. Yeah, it. <laughs> um, there are at present, I think, eight students from uh, four different high schools participating, and I'm encouraged that they're not all seniors, so we're not going to lose too much momentum going forward. And to me, it's so important for those kids to be. Really, an integral part of planning these kinds of events, because it is for them it needs to benefit them and as as older adults like Dalton and i are we, we I kind of, a little <laughs> bit older uh, we we don 't necessarily know what's you know what 's totally um, relevant and germane to these kids. Um, and I'm encouraged that Karani Mitchell, who's a local leader of color, is interested in working with that group this next year. So, and and I'm not making an announcement that she's doing that. She's just expressed an interest right. in doing that. So, yeah. that's encouraging.
0: And and what that what that gets me to is this question that that while, you know, while obviously, you as adults and other adults in our community have played a, a major role in pulling this all together as much as possible. My sense is that you want to bring the students into more and more into the organizing work as was done at Mountain View High School and is going to, has been done at Summit and Lapine and I assume at Bend too. I mean, I think all the high schools. There's some really interesting, you know, we're going to hear from some Bend High School students before the end of the show and
3: some really powerful students that are yes. doing some great work. Mm-hmm. It, <laughs> you know, if we allow it to take place, they will show us how powerful they are. And how committed they are to these changes. I think this generation is, is extraordinary uh, across the board. My grandkids' generation, uh, they're just on it. That they understand, they're ready to act, and they're ready for accountability in the system. Uh, they're, they're not going to just give a pass.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I I didn't. I I deleted it out of. Uh the interviews but at the and i didn't even record it all but i would always I, at the end of each of these interviews i told them a little bit about what i was like when i was a sophomore <laughs> junior in high school and you know it was like i was clueless i mean and i was aware of stuff it was you know but uh but this is different. was i active no I this so is okay. different there it's way different and it's really uh yeah well it, it it's really encouraging to yes, say the is. least
3: mm-hmm. um so um, I should say yeah, that the please. restorative justice planning, we take seriously this empowering uh, of student uh, role. And it's it's not by accident that these are the outcomes, that these students are feeling uh, supported and, and are able to uh, be articulate. Um, so, so let's get
0: to – I want to make sure we get these two interviews in mm-hmm. and, and – uh, They are, as I said, they're they're a total of about 12 minutes. So um, the first one that we'll run is Gabriela Hernandez-Garcia, who's a Latinx senior at Bend High School. uh, And I spoke with her after the first town hall last year. She's part of the podcast. And this is what she had to say uh, about the second town hall. and uh, Well, I think both of them, actually. Gabriela, thanks for coming back to KPOV.
9: Thank you for having me.
0: I interviewed Gabriella last year after the first town hall on race. What was the experience like for you at the second town hall compared to the first, if you can draw that kind of comparison?
9: Definitely at the second town hall meeting, we did have more uh, different subjects to talk about, such as um, dealing with uh, what exactly is white supremacy or white privilege, and also having to get to know what other schools are doing compared to... Just our school.
0: And you are on the Student Advisory Council for the Restorative Justice and Equity Group. You've met one time. Yes, we did. And and, and what came out of that meeting?
9: What came out of that meeting was um, in inviting white students to the second town hall meeting. In the first town hall meeting, we didn't have many white students. I think we we only had at least three or two coming. And we felt that it was important to have the white students come and be a part of this town hall meeting so that we can get better communication between our issues and them so that together we can formulate some sort of change.
0: Did that work out for you?
9: And I did see some change within the students that we did invite from Bend High. They were very open minded and they were really kind and did uh, actually after the town hall meeting ask us questions and tried to be there to reassure us if we felt comfortable in certain situations, and I really appreciated that from them.
0: And this was something that happened at, back at school? Yeah. So you're part of the um, the Multicultural Club yes. at Bend High, which is a pretty active club, correct?
9: Yes, correct.
0: Can you talk a bit about what uh, what the club is involved with?
9: Well, the club is just involved in trying to get more knowledge about cult- cultural diversity into our um into our school activities. At Bend High, we're having a student government next year, and elections are starting to be held up, and we are trying to encourage more students of color to join in on the election and try to get more involved with school to create a more diverse community. To run for offices. To run for offices, yes.
0: How are things going for students of color at Bend High?
9: There hasn't really been much change, but there has been some form of communication that was brought through with the students of, the white students that went to the town hall meeting because they also saw that we need to make change and that it it is essential for us to have the ability to be comfortable at school and be able to participate in activities. They were allies from the beginning. They were open-minded individuals and I was very grateful that they went and that they're also sending out the message we talked a lot about how an issue that we're all dealing with is putting the blame on something that we can't really control, and that what we can do is instead join certain clubs or certain sports and like get more involved at school, that we shouldn't just expect that to be handed to us, that we ourselves need to advocate for our rights and what we want to see happen.
0: Is there anything else that, that you wanna want to tell our listeners?
9: I was very really appreciative of the open-mindedness that we had this year within our white students and also our administrators but I would also like to have more communication between um, the white students and the students of color regarding as in the town hall white students were separated from certain panels and were required to take certain panels and I understood why When we were signing up for panels, I wanted to sign up for this panel called Waking Up White because I just wanted to get that experience of what perhaps a white student or person might feel like or what other things that they experience that I don't get to experience. But there was also some instances where the white students, they would have wished to have joined different panels that other students got to do that weren't white.
0: You said uh, when I talked to you last December about the first town hall, you indicated that the uh, lunchroom, the cafeteria at, at Bend High was was pretty segregated. Is that still the case?
9: Yeah, that's still the case.
0: Is there any kind of effort to try and change that at all?
9: Again, I feel like just because we went to the town hall doesn't mean that we're expected to get that. And I feel like that's what a lot of students that went to the town hall expected to get like that change all of a sudden but in reality we have to create that change we have to put ourselves out of our comfort zones and do what we want so we can finally like coincide together it's hard it is it is really hard
0: all right and that was um gabriela hernandez garcia latinx senior at bend high um Dalton Miller-Jones, Beth Hoover, any comments about her uh, response to what she had to say?
1: Yeah, um, Bend High has a a very active multicultural club. I think they have 50 or 60 kids involved. Um, Morgan Davis and Steve Weatherald are the two teachers that are, that are advisors for that group, and they've worked really hard to bring their, their club along. It's encouraging to me to hear uh, the insight from Olivia uh, Olivia. Uh, I'm sorry, Gabriella. Gabriella um, that it's going to take the students making the change. You know, it's not just going to be magically happening because they go to a town hall. And so, I think they're on the right track.
3: I would agree. Uh, Bend has Bend High has been very very active. They always send the largest contingency of students to the town halls. They had 28 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I think that they also, um, as is true for almost all the other advisory uh, uh, teachers at, at the high schools, they are not uh, dictating the agenda, but are really very skillful in listening and helping students to frame uh, what they want to achieve and their goals and so forth. They're They're really good. The teachers, the students... Uh, both at Bend High and at Lapine, uh, are eager to to step out and to work with the middle schools. Um, we, we get some pressure to try to also do that in the Bend-Lapine district, uh, but there are also people who would love to see these kinds of town halls taking place at um, Redmond and uh, Madras uh, and Lapine.
1: Uh, Triangle. What? Prineville.
3: Prineville, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. and yeah. the Culver, yeah. so and Warm Springs as well. Uh, so, there's a lot of work here can to only be do done. So, much. so, I hope mm-hmm. that some of you who are listening will will volunteer to step up and, and join us in this enterprise.
0: Beth, earlier when we were off air, you mentioned that you did want to uh, talk just a bit about what you see as the importance of why it's important. To include white students into the in this yeah
1: um,
0: on, on however level whatever level that takes place yeah
1: uh, Dalton make, made a reference to that earlier um, one of the school board goals has been to prepare Ben Lapine students to be successful in the 21st century in a global society um, and our white kids here in Bend are at a quite a disadvantage because they do not have a lot of um, opportunities to interface with other cultural groups and so they need this as much as the students of color in my opinion and we did do the waking up white group this time as a a solely white um, breakout session two different uh, times and I think um, the reason for doing that was really to try to keep safe space for all kids um, and for white kids walking into a situation where they're not used to being a minority, they're not used to being nine out of 77 students, it's, it's quite a cultural shock. So we wanted to prepare the kids for that, and in going forward, I think the Student Advisory Council has the desire to bring more white kids who really need to be educated, uh, who are not necessarily yet allies, and I think that's going to need some careful handling, but I think we need to go in that direction.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that, yeah.
3: A colleague, uh, a psychologist, we, we have one more to hear, I know, but a colleague uh, wrote a book, um, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? Um, for me, I can't summarize all the reasons why, but for me, an indication that these town halls have have helped promote a much more uh, integrated and healthy uh, climate in our schools is when they aren't sitting all together uh, in a segregated kind of capacity and I think we all need to understand why they are because that's where they feel they can relax a bit there's a comfort there I don't have to be putting on a, f- a particular front of face I don't have to be monitoring what I'm saying, what that nonverbal behavior was about over there, because it is a hostile environment for most students of color, uh, being in the schools, being in any uh, uh, institution for the most part, uh, unless it is predominantly Latinx or black or Asian. Uh, and that's very rare here in the Northwest.
0: That's right. All right, we're going to hear one more uh, interview.
3: Um,
0: I want to get this one in. This is Phoebe Pratt. Phoebe is an Asian-American senior at Bent High, and Francisco Guevara, he's a Latinx sophomore at Bent High, and both of them attended the 2018 Town Hall and the one on April held on April 19th, and I asked them um, to compare the two. Phoebe, how would you compare the two?
4: I would say that both of them were really helpful in providing a safe space for people of different backgrounds to come together and share their experiences on racism and their beliefs or thoughts about it. But I'd say the main differences that I experienced was that the first town hall was mainly just like a place for us to come and tell our stories and kind of clarify what exactly racism is and maybe learn some other terminology that we don't know for sure, like prejudice or microaggression. And the second town hall felt more focused on Ways to act on racism, like what to do now that we've like acknowledged it's an issue in our community and like in other places. So there were a lot of breakout sessions about like how to interrupt racism, acknowledging what it looks like, or how to develop more diverse like programs in your schools or community.
2: Francisco, Phoebe did a really good job explaining how everything went. On the first and second one, I feel that the first one was more like what Phoebe said, like we were just talking about us and what we were dealing with and how we could deal with it like by ourselves and that second one, we talked about how to deal with it and less about what it looks like and how we could solve the problems of racism.
0: How has that helped you in terms of the cross cultural Club uh, that you're both part of at Bend High?
4: Um, I think it's helped us because it's kind of made us realize that we talk a lot about how we wish we'd see more diversity, like in our schools or like in the student government, or just more awareness that there's like diverse students at our school, but we weren't really doing much about that so i feel like the second town hall has kind of made us be more involved like as a club and just like as individuals in our school community
2: i think the second town hall really helped us by uh giving us an understanding of all the resources we have and what we could actually change and how we could change it not just talking about what we could do but how we could do it and giving us the resources to do those things
0: I know that there was a few white students from Bend High who were at the second town hall.
2: I really want to thank them for going because I could be uncomfortable for them. But they were all very open-minded, and I just want to thank them for going.
4: Some of those white students that attended the town hall are like my classmates. I have a few classes with them. And they've said that going to the town hall, it kind of opened their eyes to like what is going on that they don't really acknowledge or, like, know about or, like, the little things that they might be doing that could be offensive to people of, like, color without realizing it. Also, it kind of, like, inspired them to be more conscious of, like, the people that they're with, like, what types of comments they make and, like, correcting them if they say something that might be offensive.
0: So how are things for students of color right now at Bend High?
2: To be honest, I haven't seen much change. I think racism is such a big thing that we should always be working on because it hasn't stopped. And I think we still have a long way to go for it to end. And I think Ben High is taking the right steps, but we just need to um, get those steps moving forward a little faster.
0: <laughs> you are a sophomore, so you're going to be around. I'm not alone, obviously, yeah. but you know, have, do you have any thoughts on what you, where you would like to go with this
2: well yeah absolutely i think that uh overall just inclusion and acceptance of every single culture we have many foreign exchange students that are coming and they have so many cultures and values that we could learn about them it's not just about uh then them coming into our culture and learning about us i think that we could all learn from each other and enjoy all the beautiful things that we have to provide
4: one thing that sticks out to me, I guess, is the lack of diversity in higher level classes. Also in like the student student council, the people that are like putting on dances or assemblies and representing the student body at mm-hmm. our school. And like my freshman and sophomore year, like my classes were a lot more diverse and there were p- people of like different backgrounds and cultures. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm a senior in the more like advanced classes, there's a lot of the same white students that I see maybe like two or three like people of
0: color. Do you think that there should be changes in terms of uh, the diversity of of the staff, the teaching teachers and other administrators, etc.?
4: Yeah, I think that'd be really helpful. It's always nice to have someone to look up to that kind of resembles like you a little bit or someone of like a different background.
0: So Francisco, one of the things that Phoebe just mentioned was the idea of of, uh, Having more diverse student councils, and that would involve students of color running for offices, correct?
2: Yes. So actually, my group of friends have we have been taking uh, steps forward into being more involved in our school because we could talk about it all we want, but if they're not listening to us or they can't even listen to us if we're not being involved. So we're having meetings with our student directors, like activities, and she's giving us ideas, and we're getting ideas for her in order to change our school for a better way. So we're trying to move forward on that. And I feel like if just everyone participated and had a little bit more of an open mind, we could all make a great change.
4: I would say that at Bend High, even though it's more diverse than the other high schools in Bend, I feel like, I'd say that overall, like they're pretty, it's a pretty accepting community. Like I haven't felt targeted or um, treated differently based on my race or ethnicity. And I think the town halls are have been really inspiring just to see all of these people coming together, caring about the same issue and wanting to find like a way to help fix it.
2: And kind of going along with that, I just like feel really grateful to have a staff and people at school that actually care about what we care and that actually listen to us. So thank you to everyone that has like, cared for us and actually listened to us because we understand that sometimes we're high schoolers and <laughs> sometimes the ideas we have or the actions we make aren't the best. But, um, yeah, just thanks to everyone that has actually had the taken the time to listen to us.
0: Thanks. Thanks to both of you. Yeah,
2: oh, thank, thank you. you.
7: All
0: right. Okay, and that was uh, that concludes our student interviews. That was Phoebe Pratt, who's an Asian-American senior at Bend High and Francisco Gue- Guevara Who's a Latinx sophomore at Bent High, and both of them, as they said, they attended both of the town halls. So, um, so we have uh, I don't know about ten more minutes or so. Um, any first off, any any uh, reaction or responses, uh, Dalton Miller Jones or Beth Hoover, to what uh, these two two Bent High students had to say?
1: These two kids are really smart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they they got an understanding. Um, I yeah. Did you want to say anything about? Okay, um, I would like to. Talk for a minute about um, how the town hall got financed. Yeah, because I think it's impressive to know um, the first time around we got a, a small grant from Oregon Education Association and teachers then, union. Yeah, the teachers union, and then we put together uh, some private donations. Um, and a little bit of support from the school district. The second time around, we um, actually got a sizable donation from the local community, from various individuals, and also from First Presbyterian Church here in Bend. And then the school district really stepped up in terms of their support. So I'm encouraged that we've been able to do this as a volunteer organization and, and put it together Going forward, I think we, we hope to look for some grant funding. But I do think as a community in Bend, we're we're growing really rapidly. We're bringing people from outside who have a lot more experience with uh, multiculturalism than we do as natives here in Bend. Um, I think we've got an opportunity, if we want to take it, to do it right and to, to improve our school system so it is culturally inclusive. Um, one of the steps that needs to happen is more teachers of color, um, definitely in our district. And that's been a difficult process for Ben Lapine to recruit people of color who want to come here and live in a very white community. Hopefully we're making some strides um, in that regard. I'm very encouraged about the, the uh, incoming school board members and their commitments. Uh, um what
0: what
3: oh, go ahead Dave. I just Don't, wanted I'm to sorry, add, yeah. <coughs> I wanted to also add to this, the line of support was from the Central Oregon Community College uh student advisory uh groups and the and the ethnicity clubs were uh absolutely significant in making this all possible um we had to increase the budget for the second town hall because the kid, the students said, we want breakfast, too. And we provided lunch and some uh, protein bars or something around breakfast time, but lunch, they liked the lunch. They also liked the music that was uh, a live mariachi band from Ben High, I guess, yeah, yeah. Uh, performed in the first town hall. We didn't have time for that in the second one. Well, we worked those students pretty hard, I think. Um, so I... I I think we'll we'll get a chance to do some closing comments.
0: But. Yeah. Yeah, but I wanted to just get back to what you said, Beth. I I think um well we saw in the in the election Tuesday, we saw in the the uh, campaigns that there there was a, a number of candidates uh, the one and who won who really put uh equity, uh inclusion, diversity issues front and center I thought in their in their campaigns and talked about what they wanted. So uh, I believe some of them are going to be listening to this, so I, I here's an opportunity. What's your message to them? What would you What would you like? Have you given any thought to what you would like? To, it's because it's a new school board. It really is going to be a, a tremendously new school board.
1: Well, we we have given considerable thought, and in addition to wanting to see more teachers uh, of of color, teachers from different backgrounds, um, we really feel there needs to be a commitment at the district level to hiring an equity coordinator, a restorative justice and equity coordinator to work with all the high schools. We also think that there need to be equity and restorative justice leaders at each high school that need to be paid for doing that work. It needs to be an extra-duty contract, uh, not just shoved in as part of their all all of the rest of their uh, daily responsibilities. I think those things would make a huge difference in going forward for, for our kids. And yep. I'm hoping the school board members are hearing me loudly and clearly. I'm really encouraged that Melissa, is it Dulaki? Uh, Dulaki, yeah. Yeah, she has a background coming from Oakland. She she has background in... Um, restorative justice and i think she's going to be really um an advocate so i'm pleased and i think that we have the same kind of of interest in and um advocacy from Shamiko montgomery and carolyn skidmore so really i'm i'm delighted to see that um trend yeah yeah
3: we uh we did present to the uh school board on a couple of occasions around the issues of bullying and uh the need for, uh, and, and the need for hiring, uh, making a commitment for a position in, in the district. Uh, <clears throat> I feel it'll take us a while if we're dependent on uh, hiring people of color to be in the teaching core. Uh, I think that more immediate steps can be initiated beginning uh, this summer and fall by way of a planful, intentional set of in-service professional development trainings around how to be inclusive in your teaching, how to incorporate uh, a history that includes the real events that took place. Um, And there there are tons of resources that have been generated out of uh, Latinx, uh, uh, Chicano-Latino studies, African-American studies, Asian studies, that are available to districts. They just simply have to make a commitment to, to put to work a team that are going to try and bring those resources uh, and make those trainings available to the existing teaching core here in, in Ben Lapine.
0: You do not have to reinvent the wheel on this. No, you, you don't. don't. You just it's, have to make a commitment to do it. some great wheels
1: out there.
3: <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, I attended the Taking Up training that the Ben Pine School District did last year, and I understand they're going to do it again this year. It's a great training on equity. Uh, however, it's voluntary, and it's done on teachers' vacation time. What Dawn's talking about and what we'd like to advocate is mandatory. Um, train all of your staff,
0: and and
3: while they're getting paid,
1: absolutely. Yeah,
0: there, there's no no, re- no reason to have free
3: labor. <laughs> no, yeah. and the urgency here, the time frame, <laughs> can be that of an administrator's time frame, which is uh, several years, or it can be the time frame of a junior in the high school here, who needs to have these experiences now not in a year or two or three or four.
2: Well so, said.
0: Yeah, so any any other comments that you want to make before we close out here?
1: I, w- I would just echo what Dalton said. We can use all the help we can get putting um, these town halls together, so don't hesitate to step up if you've got the interest.
0: Well, yeah, and that's, that's a good way to close. So how can they, um, if somebody does want to get involved, uh, who can they contact and, and to do that?
1: <laughs> well, they can contact either Dalton or myself. Um, you can give them your your Yeah, uh, my email,
3: email is millerjonesd, all lowercase, uh, at gmail.com, and uh, would love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, and my email is bhoover, like the Hoover Dam, and then the number 2, bhoover2 at benbroadband.com. So you can communicate with either one of us. That's
3: great, okay. and mm-hmm. we'll leave that with you. If if, if they forget any of that, uh, yes, you can d- redirect them. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: So thank you so much to both of you. Uh, well, Michael, thank you. This yes. is a real
3: service to our community that you're providing. I well, you're all it.
0: you all are providing an extraordinary service to our community, and I want to really thank um, I really want to thank all of the students that I uh, interviewed, as well as Dalton Miller Jones and Beth Hoover, for the time. That you've put into this this incredibly important issue here in our community those students like i say those students really just kind of in many respects they just blew my mind when i was talking to them i you know uh it's really encouraging and and you you deserve both of you deserve and everybody else that's been working on this the adults have been working on this deserve a lot of credit for for helping to make that happen well, thank you um, thank you yeah Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and a program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.